0: Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country, and as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God, and then we discuss them right here in studio. I'm Dean, hashtag didn't see you at church on Sunday, and today we have a great show for you. I'm so excited to get to these dynamic messages. We have sermons from Florida, Georgia, and right here in New York, and first up is Northridge Church in Rochester, New York, and Pastor Drew Karshner is discussing how to hear from God and discern God's will in a sermon called An Ancient Sign. Pastor, Drew says, if you want to know God's will, you should know God's character. And that's found where? In the Bible. So if you've been asking God for a sign, then keep on watching because this just might be what you've been looking for. And next, we go to Tampa, Florida to Crossover Church with the one and only Pastor Urban D. He's bringing us part three of his sermon series called Woke Church. No, this isn't a political message, but a message on how the church can regain its prophetic voice in the world. This is going to be powerful. You're not going to want to miss it. Lastly, we go to Mountain Lake Church in Foresight, Georgia. Pastor Ted Lowe is bringing the first message in their sermon series called, all the family feels and his sermon is titled family and technology he's challenging us to prioritize our family above the work and technology that's constantly pulling us apart he has a great list of ways to do that so you're definitely going to want to stick around to hear them then i'll be joined in studio with pastor daniel mcgee from connection church in astoria queens he's here to help us break down these great messages we're going to get back to pastor daniel a little later but right now i want to go to northridge church with pastor drew karshner check them out.
1: But the Bible is not that type of user's manual. We want it to be, but it's not. We wish the Bible would say, hey, in these circumstances, choose that. When you're feeling this, go this way. But that's not how the Bible works. But the Bible, it may be more like a a, a map than a user's manual. And here's what the Bible does, is the Bible reveals a lot about who God is. And here's the crazy thing. If we would discover who God is, I bet you it would change the way we make decisions. If we truly dig into who God is, it would begin to transform us, and it would begin to transform and show us actually what God wants for us. So here's what I'm going to do. Today, I'm going to show you the two primary messages of the Bible. One, I want you to have some biblical literacy of understanding how the Bible works, why we read the Bible, why it's so important, and how those two primary or essential messages of the Bible play in our direct, everyday decision-making. So it's gonna get pretty, we're gonna go through this pretty fast because we're building to somewhere, okay? So the first and essential message of the Bible, If you want to know why the Bible exists, if you want to know why you should read the Bible, here's the first and primary message of the thousands of pages in the Bible. It's simply this, is that you and I would be able to know God. That's the first and primary message of the Bible, that at some level, anybody who has access to the Bible would would begin this journey that I can comprehend and I can have some sort of understanding of who God is. I mean, for a moment, think about that. That the creator of the universe, everything we see and everything we know, our sustainer, our provider, our creator, the God who loves us, has made it, it has given us the ability to know him. I mean, how crazy is that? And here's where that journey starts. Maybe, you, maybe that's why you came to church this morning, Right? You gathered, we gather as the church, and and you you have this desire, you're you're walking through life and you sense there's a God and you're like, I wanna get to know this God. You came to the right place. And and here's the reality, This, this journey of getting to know God starts with a relationship. It starts with a relationship because our sin separates us from God. Our disobedience to God puts a, a gap between me and God, me knowing God. But yet Jesus, in his love for us, came, paid our penalty, gave us victory over sin so that we could know God. And so, man, in life, when you want to get to know somebody, you're in a dating relationship, you're like, oh, hey, I like her. What do you do? Spend time. You, you grow in a relationship. And it's the same with God. If you want to know God, you have to have a relationship with him. And Timothy talks about this. He says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. That word saved is a a churchy word. What it means is to step into a relationship with God. To know you're a sinner in need of a Savior and to give God your life. That's where your relationship starts with, with God. And to come to the knowledge of truth. So that journey starts with a relationship. And so the primary message of the Bible is to know God. So maybe we should know a couple things about God, right? This isn't an exhaustive list, but I'm gonna give you four things about God that you have to understand. And I'll work through these pretty fast. And I want you to understand, these aren't my opinions. I'm not gonna talk a lot about these. I'm just gonna let God's word speak for itself. The first one, God is holy. He's holy. He's flawless. He's perfect. He hates sin. In fact, this is what the Bible says. Psalm 77, verse 13. It says, your ways, God, are holy. Holy. What God is as great as our God. 1 Samuel 2, 2, it says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Isaiah 6, 3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So you want to get to know God. Here's the first step, man. God is holy. Now, not only is God holy, but he's also gracious and loving. and, And God is love. Second thing about God, His attribute, He is love. We just did a study on First John, and here's what it says: First John four, it says, "Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, whoever does not love, does not know God. Why? Because God is love. So God is holy. God is love. Thirdly, God is just. Maybe another way of saying that is, God is good." Isaiah thirty eighteen. 18, he says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Isaiah 61, 8, it says, for I, the Lord, love justice. So we're getting to know God. He's holy. He's love. He, he, he is just. Fourth, God is truth. He's truth. He loves truth. John 14, Jesus said this about himself. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. John 1, 1. it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So again, not an exhaustive list, but the primary message of the Bible, the reason why we should read our Bibles is so you and I can go on this journey of comprehending and understanding who God is.
0: All right, Pastor Drew Karshner kicking off the show for us, and joining me today is Pastor Daniel. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, awesome. So I want to jump right into this. Uh, Pastor Drew is kind of giving us this template to knowing God and to Mm -hmm. getting to know God. Um, Is it just as simple as reading the scriptures, or, or does it take a little more than that?
2: Uh, I think if, what I loved about his message was that the goal of studying the Bible is to get to know God. Mm. I think when we try to complicate it, we, we complicate it when we try to study the Scriptures in order to know the Scriptures. Mm. That, that leads us down a road of pride instead of a, a road of knowing the Lord. So yes, I think it, it can be that simple uh, and I'm, I'm sure he would also agree that the Holy Spirit plays a major role mm. in helping us understand the Scriptures.
0: Yeah, I mean, because it, it has to be more than just, I mean, at least personally in, in, in my feeling, than just reading the words. You, mm-hmm. you kind of have to, you know, put the words to work, right. correct? So so there are ways like giving back and, and things of that nature. Are there other, you know, ways that we can kind of connect, though, like more w- with the Holy Spirit on that level? Uh,
2: sure, yeah. I think uh, your prayer life is is a fuel that helps you understand the scriptures, but maybe even more so gives you a desire to, to know God to where you desire to, to read the scriptures. Mm. So the Holy Spirit plays a, a major role in, in our ability to know God. Uh, in fact, Jesus is such a vital role that Jesus said to his disciples when he ascended to heaven, stay here until, uh, until I send the helper. Uh, I'm going to send someone for you, a comforter. And that's the power of God. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is, is the one that lives within us. I think there's a song about that.
0: I'm pretty sure there is. I'm probably there's probably a lot of songs about that. So but I mean it's a good thing though to Kind of know your Bible and know Mm. your scripture, but at the same time I I don't want people feeling like if if they don't know every verse and every book and because I have Bible I have the audio Bible, you know besides my physical copy and and we're talking, uh, I think, when last I looked at it, because mine has a kind of audio effects in it, too. So it's about 72 hours of listening. It's a lot. So that's a yeah. lot to take in. It's a lot to digest. So, you know, there, there are other things that we have to focus on. And um, we're going to get right back to focusing on more of those things right after we take this quick break. We'll be back with more AMBO TV. Welcome back to AMBO TV, bringing you Next Generation Pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were listening to Pastor Drew Karshner in Rochester, New York. But right now, I want to get to Pastor Tommy in Tampa, Florida. Let's go ahead and check him out.
3: So here's the third thing, y'all. Here's the third thing. Be biblically informed. That means we got to have a solid foundation of biblical knowledge. And at the same time, be open to the spirits leading on how to apply God's word to the issues of our day. So how do we become biblically informed? I'm about to say something real profound. (laughs) Somebody said it over there. Read your Bible. (laughs) Read it. Study it. Memorize some stuff. I know that's nothing profound, but the reality is all of us probably need to do better at it. So I'm going to keep reminding you. I'm going to keep lovingly pounding it into your head. Like, we got to be biblically informed. we got to know God's Word. we got to be familiar with it. God speaks through His Word. The problem is, Pastor E talked about literacy. we got a lot of Christians in the church that have been in the church for, like, years, and they're still biblically illiterate. So when somebody from another faith steps to them and challenges them, or when someone that may not even have any faith or they're confused, and they're coming with an authentic question, many believers don't know what to say because they don't know their Bible. And then they look dumb. And then they doubt themselves, and they can even doubt their faith. It's because they've never read God's word and studied it regularly for themselves. They haven't tried to grasp an understanding in God's word. And so even bigger than just answering someone's question or you know trying to, we're not even trying to win a debate with somebody, but if somebody has questions, even bigger than that, it's like, when you know God's word and you're biblically informed, it helps you make decisions in your everyday life. Helps you be able to apply things to issues that you currently have in your life. And things that are going on and things that are happening. Because um, here's the thing, y'all. People are watching you. If you proclaim that you have a relationship with God, that you go to church, people are watching you. They're checking you out. They're seeing what you're about. They're trying to see, like, like, like what are you about? Do you know what you're talking about? And so, you know, people are looking at our lives. And if we're speaking on the behalf of God, because that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? If your life is a hot mess, people don't want to listen if the church is a hot mess, people don't want to listen to that. Like they're looking at, at, at some Christians, and some Christians are making us look bad. If that's you and you're here, like, you better, like, come on, straighten up. I love you, but, but don't make us look bad out there, for real. So, so how, do we, how do we become more biblically informed? Again, simple steps. Read God's Word. Study it. Memorize it. God will bring it back to your memory when you're going through stuff when you're engaging with someone when someone's going through something God will give you a word for them sometimes But that comes when you're spending time with God when you're abiding like we talked about in the series last month In addition, we try to do a lot of stuff here at crossover to help you guys every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock We have this thing called growth night. It's our church-wide Bible study there's a bunch of people that come to that. You're invited to come to that if you want to grow deeper in God's Word. And we go deeper. We go in on Wednesday nights. We're big on discipleship here. There's a bunch of people in the 3D growth track right now. You can sign up for that and start it um, Sunday, October 6th, coming up in just a couple of weeks, if you haven't went through it yet. Uh, in addition, we have growth groups. They're starting next week, if you haven't heard about it. We announced it today, so you have heard about it, right? We got groups happening all over the city for all kinds of different people on different nights and days of the week. And and listen, I'm I'm big on discipleship. I love evangelism, I love, love our city, but I wanna see people grow in their walk with Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm so big on it and big on groups. I love groups. I'm, I'm the lead pastor here. There's a couple thousand people connected to our church. I'm leading a growth group. Yeah, I'm lead because I believe in it. If I'm in a group, you should be in a group. We got like 20 groups to choose from. And In addition, I'm doing one for, like, business owners. And these crazy guys told me that they want the group at 7 a.m. I'm an artist. I don't like getting up that early to, like, do a Bible study, but I'm going to do it. So if I can get up super early and do a group and it's the only one in the morning, like, you can go to one at night, like, figure out your schedule, like, jump in. So the bottom line is, guys, we want to give you guys tools to grow. All right, that's my guy,
0: Pastor Tommy, uh, a.k.a. Urban D. So he's talking here about, you know, reclaiming the church, reclaiming his prophetic voice. And, and he's kind of calling out some some things that some people can do. Um, with, you know, someone like me who I kind of steer clear of quoting scripture to people because to me it's it's so delicate and, and I don't want to get anything wrong. It, is that kind of a, a mistake on my part? And I can't be the only person that, that feels that way.
2: I don't know if it's a mistake, but I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I have the same kind of, I don't know if it's a fear or hesitation at least, okay. in, in doing the same thing because, you know, the Scriptures can be quite complex, right? Mm. I mean, it's very easy to, we, we look throughout the course of church history and we see where people use Scripture in the wrong way okay. to justify things that were not right. So there's some hesitation for us to, to just go out and, and just flaunt Scripture and throw it out without the, the full context of how it is. But I think that fear can be um, uh, quenched or, or, or healed, the hesitation, the more time we spend with the Word of God and reclaiming I love how we talked about the prophetic voice. I mean the, the culture's always got a voice or a message that they're teaching to us and it's it's always changing. I mean the things that are valued today are not the things that were valued years ago, right? And so the the Bible is a transcending um, truth that, that just transcends time. And the more time we spend with it, the more powerful that voice becomes within us.
0: All right. Well, I can't wait to hear more from Pastor Tommy. But right now we're going to get to Pastor Ted in Forsyth, Georgia. Let's go ahead and check him out. Martha
4: was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. This word distracted is translated into encumbered she was encumbered, she was entangled, like the, my mom's phone cord. She had it all over her and she's feeling this pressure and she's feeling this responsibility and she's trying to do it all and it's coming from a good place. I mean, after all, she welcomed them in, she wanted to do it, but she was just so overwhelmed by it all. And can't we feel just like that? We've got all these things that we've signed up for, all these things that we've committed to, we've got it all and we don't question it at all because it just happened so gradually. You know. Kids grow up and things become more complex and we just feel these moments and we're frustrated and we let those people that we love, that love us back, know about it. You're so frustrated here. I can't believe this. Look at all this I have going on and I got to believe she is running some things through her mind because she walks in to Jesus, the creator of the universe, and says, She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work by myself? First thing to Jesus, don't you care? Don't you get it? Do you see all this? And you know, I love it that Martha came to to Jesus. I bet she looked at her sister and said, we're gonna have a different come to Jesus. (laughs) She goes straight to him. She goes, don't you care about me? Don't you care that she's left me? all the work to do by myself? Look at me here, I'm doing this. How can you, how can you do this to me? Because isn't this our answer? Tell her to help me. That's the answer to all this crazy. That's the answer to all this anxiety I'm feeling is I need some help right now and culturally she's supposed to do it. She's supposed to help me. Don't you feel like that too? When you're in the middle of all this, we look around at our family and go, do I have to do everything around here? You know, we go to work. You know, we're exhausted. We're frustrated. We get home. The house is a mess. All that's going on. You go, I do everything for this family. I provide this family because I love you. <laughs> we're taking our kids to baseball practice. We're, get in the car. Get in the car. <laughs> we got to do all this stuff because it's good for you. Get in the car. <laughs> but we sign up and we get in the middle of all that. And we go, I just need help. I need technology to help me. I need technology people to help me and we don't ever go wait a minute do we have to be doing all this can we choose something else could Martha have gone hey Mary come here just a second can you help me still with love in her heart Could she said to them go hey guys I love you so much and I want to cook for you but Jesus is here you here I'm gonna need you guys pitch in a little bit because I need to be a part of the party no no she's frustrated she didn't think for a minute. To ask for help in in a different way, in a way where she still left herself capacity for love. And Jesus goes, Martha, Martha. I love Jesus' posture towards Martha and towards us when we're feeling crazy and it's all over and we're Ah. And he looks at us and goes, Martha, Martha. Ted, Ted. Chris, Chris. Susan, Susan, fill in your name. He looks at us in the midst of all the chaos that we've created, living in a culture that he never imagined and looks at us with compassion and says our name because he knows all of our names in the middle of this. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. I get it. We can tell what's going on your insides because you're showing us on your outsides. Right, I, I, I see it that you're worried and upset about, oh, there's many things. And there's many a things that's going on with a lot of us. And he says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. So needed is appetite. There's only one appetite we need to be worried about. You're worried about feeding us, but at the end of the day, there's really only one we need to, to be focused on there's only one that really needs to be needed that needs to trump that when we look back on this time together we're not going to remember if the beans were cold we're not going to remember if the beds were lumpy what we're going to remember is being together
0: i'm starting to think after watching like complaining is just in our dna from exodus to now so so what are just one really quick way we can be better life experiencers and less life complainers
2: yeah that's a good question um I was on my phone the other day, and I saw a meme grab my attention, and it said, God inhabits our praises, but who inhabits our complaints? Mm. And it really caused me to think about how easy it is for me to complain. And uh, I mean, there's there's a lot to complain about, right? There's a lot of things that are wrong in our lives. And so I think it's really easy to identify with Martha in this story. Um, And I want to identify more with, with Mary okay and and not that Martha's bad Martha's not a bad person she's getting stuff done Mm -hmm. and we need people like Martha to get stuff done I'm not like her my wife is like her she gets stuff done Uh, but I want to make sure that that I am using my voice to praise God and to thank him instead of criticize all right thank God don't criticize don't complain and we'll be right back
0: with more Ambo TV Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the commercial break, we were checking out Pastor Ted Lowe in Forsyth, Georgia. But right now, I want to get back to Pastor Drew Karshner in Northridge Church in Rochester, New York. Let's check him out.
1: As I read and I understand how serious God takes sin and how perfect and how flawless he is, guess what it does? It puts this desire in my heart that I would chase holiness. And here's how it plays in our decision making. God is holy, therefore I'm gonna chase holy, and so in every decision that I make, here's a question I'm gonna ask, here it is. Can pleasing God stay my number one goal if I make this decision? Can you imagine if you asked that question before you made any decision? How it would change the decisions you make? Let me put it in a a practical application. One decision we make on a regular basis is what are we gonna watch, right? Our entertainment. Hey, I'm, I'm at home, and you know, I'm with my wife, or I'm with my significant other, we're hanging out, and we go on Netflix, or we go on TV, and we're like, hey, what should I watch? And, and we know God is holy, and because of that, he, I'm chasing holiness. And so things that we used to watch with inappropriate content, it causes me to question, like, man, can I actually watch this and keep pleasing God my number one goal? And here's what it does, is it begins to eliminate certain things that used to be on our playlist that God says Man, you can't chase holiness. You can't chase holiness. And so it eliminates those things, or it should at least. Because I know some Christians that have some pretty questionable entertainment, and I wonder, are we really chasing holiness? God is holy. It changes the way I live. God is love. And so what does that mean? It means, wow, God is working in me that I should freely love. And so when I'm making decisions, maybe I have to ask this question. What does love require of me? What does love require of me in this decision? Let me give you an example of this, okay? You have a family member or someone's really close to you, best friend. They love God. They've been walking with God, but for some reason something changes and they begin to step into sin. And you're battling back and forth. What do I do? do? Do I talk to them? Do I just let it go? Do I let God handle it? Like, I don't know how to navigate that. And you ask this question, what does love require of me? What does the Bible require of me? And we know in Matthew 18, it says, man, you, got, you struggle with someone, you go to them. And so what that does is it eliminates the option of I can't remain silent anymore because God has created a framework, and if I truly love that person, I'll have the conversation. I'll do it in a gracious and loving way, but this will eliminate silence in, in my world. God is just, and so therefore, man, I have to act justly. And so here's the question I ask before I make any decisions is, does this decision promote the welfare of others? So what does this look like in our life? Let's say today you're, 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 you're interviewing at, at jobs, right? You're trying to find that next career step and you've narrowed it down to like five, 10 companies and you begin to do some research and you realize, man, that there is a company out there that has been gaining money by marginalizing people. They've been marginalizing refugees and minorities, and they've just decided it's, it's better to, to gain a buck than it is to treat people and promote the welfare of others, and so you just eliminate that company off your list because you know God's called me to act justly, and I can't do that in that company unless they change. It begins to create a framework. You know God is truth, and so therefore, man, i got to embrace truth. I gotta embrace truth. I gotta see the, the reality. And so in your decision-making process, here's what happens is you ask this question, man, if God is truth, I need to embrace truth. And so you say, man, am I seeing the reality of me and, and my situations clearly? Am I seeing reality clearly? And here's what this means for a lot of us. We're making decisions and we just have to know our temptations. We have to know, man, maybe you're here today and you struggle with lust. Or maybe you're here today and you struggle with comparison. And you know that about you, and you got to say, okay, God, God is truth, and therefore i got to know the truth about me. And so maybe I shouldn't be on social media because all I do is compare my, my, my world against everybody else's. Or maybe I shouldn't be on, on certain things on the web pages alone because I know my temptation. And I know And what God's word does is it creates a framework. And here's the beauty is it saves us from so many bad decisions because guess what? Man, these were all options on my board and these were all options on my board. But as I got to know God and as God began to change me, wow, he protects me from going down any other decisions that I shouldn't.
0: All right, Pastor Drew using props to illustrate his point here. And um, this subject actually just kind of came up in my house. My daughters wanted to watch a scary movie, but it was like dark scary, not like like fun, spooky, kind of scary. And I was like, nah, I felt bad for doing it, but at the same time, it felt right. So like, are these the kind of decisions that he's talking about making?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, that's our job as parents is to help our kids set boundaries. And sometimes we have to set them for them because they don't have the the, the wherewithal to, to set them for themselves. And and, and we're, we're God's children, and we're, we're the same way. And so the way that God loves us is he wants us to have uh, parameters and borders and, and guidelines to keep us from, from going in a direction that we shouldn't. I mean, I don't want my kids waking up having a bad dream or, or putting bad thoughts in their minds. I want them to focus on the things that are pure and good and holy that will uh, bless them. I, I read a quote this, quote this week. I think I quoted in my last sermon, uh, but sometimes we ask the question, is this okay for me to do? Mm. As a Christian, can I do this? Mm. And, a, and a better question is, is this going to help me run the race that God has for me? Is this going to hinder me or is this going to help me? And so I think that's probably a better question for us to ask. It's not, can I do this? Is it permissible? But is this going to empower me and enable me to run the race that God's called me to run?
0: I love it. And he was also talking about chasing holiness. And, you know, I hear a lot constantly about people chasing paper or you got to chase the bag and you got to get to the bag. I wish people were chasing God as much as they were trying to chase money. The money chases seem to become a big thing. So, right now, we're going to go ahead and chase God a little more and get back to Pastor Tommy, AKA Urban D, in Tampa, Florida. Let's check him out.
3: Somebody say hope. This one's super important because. We know that the world needs some hope because all the people here is what kind of news on the news? Bad news, right? They need some good news. They need some good news. Hope is a major pillar of the faith that God gives to his people so we can have a vision of what change can look like for the future. We believe in a hopeful future because of what Jesus did for us. right, how many of y'all believe in what Jesus did for us? He died for us, man. Make some noise for that. We can have hope for the future. It's gonna get better. One of the most famous speeches of all times was Dr. Martin Luther King's speech. I have a what? Y'all know it, right? At least y'all know a little bit about it, right? Well, one of the things he said, and this was in the middle when civil rights hadn't been achieved yet. There was still tons of injustice going on. Hadn't happened, but one of the lines he said, As I've been to the mountaintop and my eyes have seen the coming of the Lord. He was in the middle of the struggle, but he still had hope. Because he knew Jesus, and he knew that the best is really yet to come. I love Romans chapter 15, verse 13, incredible hope statement. It says this. It says, I pray that God, the source of of what? Of hope, will find you um, completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confidence through the power of the Holy Spirit. So even though some of you might be going through it, you might be going through some stuff right now, you might need to lament at times, Um, don't get stuck there. Don't wallow in your sorrow and your depression and a pity party all the time because you can have hope for the future because of what Jesus did. This isn't the end of the story here. Our life here is just a warm-up. The best is truly yet to come. So we need to be hope pushers. I'm just curious, how many hope pushers do we have in the building? Come on, make some noise. we got to push some hope. Our world needs hope. Here's the last one, y'all, number five. Be about actions. Be about actions. Help me out. Actions speak louder than? We know that, right? Because there's a lot of people that just, they just talk. But people, if you talk, they want to see that you're going to back it up with some actions. They want to see that you're about it. So from the church from the beginning has been known for acting on behalf of the poor, of the oppressed, of the neglected. Acts chapter 6, great example of it. There were some Greek widows that were being overlooked compared to the Hebrew widows. Um, The issue was brought up. Be clear on the issues. It was brought up to the church, and the church came up with a resolution and fixed it. Great template to look at. And if you look at some of the positive parts of church history, the church was known to do all kinds of great stuff. Like Pastor Eric said, you know, there's this kind of this thing that the church is supposed to be involved in the community and supposed to be involved in justice issues. Why? Because if you look at history, it's been doing that. If you look at most hospitals, they were started by churches. If you look at most schools, started by churches. Universities, colleges, started by churches. Clinics, feeding programs, started by churches. Problem is, as time went on, many churches began to look more inward than they did outward, and I believe that's a big part of the reason why there's many churches that are regularly closing their doors. They became less about action, and eventually they became irrelevant, and they died.
0: All right, Pastor Sammy's on fire today, and uh, you know he brings up a really good point, which is that most churches, or not most, a lot of churches out there can feel like a closed-door club Mm -hmm. rather than... An open door family. Have you, you know, seen a shift like this in the landscape? And, and if you have, as a pastor and as a church leader, you know how do you combat you know that kind of uh, feeling?
2: Yeah, I think it's really hard to fight against that because I, I think it's natural. Mm-hmm. As you, uh, I'm a church planter as well, so I've pastored a church that was existing, and I've also started one from scratch. And it's very easy to get into that cycle because as you gather people. You're gathering people with problems. You're gathering people that need discipleship. And so you have to to feed them. And so I think it's something you have to be intentionally saying, look, while we disciple part of our discipleship in growing in our faith has to be outreach. Mm. You know, God gives you what He gives you so that you can give it to others. Not only just to feed, if we just, feed and only intake, 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 then you get spiritually fat, if you will. And so what we need to do is be expending what God gives to us. And, and one of the major components of the church is the outreach. I mean, Jesus said, go and, and take, uh, take my gospel to all the nations. And so that's um, something we just have to be intentional about it.
0: All right. So it's not being lazy necessarily by not doing community right. outreach. It, it's you know, focusing on, on you know, uh, basically homeland first and getting everybody prepared and and getting them into discipleship and then starting the outreach, correct? Something like that?
2: Sure. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. So I I definitely don't think the majority of the churches that do that are being lazy. I think they're just uh, focused on one aspect of the faith to the detriment of others. So we don't need to stop discipling people and helping them grow, but we need to add this outreach.
0: All right. Let's add some outreach. And right now we're going to reach out to a commercial break, but we'll be right back with more AMBO TV. Welcome back to AMBO TV, home of the next generation pastors. Let's go ahead and jump right back to Pastor Ted Lowe in Forsyth, Georgia, and let him wrap up his sermon on family and technology.
4: Because here's what I love about Chris and this church. Is every week, it's like, this is not something we do. We just check off the list. Oh, I'm a good person Go to go to church. They're like, no, 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 no. God's word is so powerful. He loves us so much. He looks at us and goes, Martha, Martha, he loves us so much. He tells us how to live life in the midst of the crazy. He wants something richer. He wants something more. He wants something full for us. And he wants there to be life change. That As you drive away here today, it may be a little change. It may be a, be a big one, but we all get to choose. That's the thing I think we forget. We are the big people. Sometimes we think we have to do this. We're required to do this. We need to pause and go, wait a minute. I get to choose. I'm the boss of me. We forget, don't we? We get to pause and we're going so fast that we don't pause and go, wait, 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 wait a minute. I need to leave my self capacity to be and to love those that love me and then I love back. Here's a couple of ways we can do this. We'll make this super practical for you. In our day and age, we gotta figure out, we have to have no tech times. There has to be time where the, the phone goes away, the TV goes away, the laptops go away. It's not always easy. In fact, we're addicted to it chemically. Every time there's a ding on our phone, there is an endorphin rush to our head. We're literally addicted, but when are those no tech times? Some of the best advice I've ever been given is my buddy said, don't be on the phone in your car when your kids or your, um, your, kids or your spouse is there. And I can't tell you, I mean, this is the time when you're with people and people love you back, you have got them trapped in the car. You have some pretty great conversations, right? Kids, you get everything that comes with that decision, kids are going, "Wow, oh, what are you kidding? But then they, you can trick them. Before you know they're gonna be talking to you. You know, you, you know how it is? You kid gets grounded, you take it away, the next thing you know, they're outside playing basketball. They don't know that you know. <laughs> Have no tech times. Limit kids' activities. You now kids are younger, we're like, one activity apiece. People are like, What is wrong with you? Don't you love your children? Right, yeah, we just need some space to be a family. This is already crazy. We got three kids. We can go support each other. We can go hang out there because at the end of the day, none of my kids ended up being professional athletes. (laughs) Who knew? With these (sighs) genes? Yeah, it never happened. Date your spouse. People that do what I do, that work with married couples, they come up to yell, marriage, you should know. Mm, It takes a lot of hard work. And then they don't tell them what to do. You yeah. mm, you got a really bad disease. You know, <laughs> no. We say the best way to protect your marriage is to enjoy it. And that's why I have nights like tonight, so you can laugh and you can date and you can enjoy each other. People think, oh, we've got to resolve all our issues or we're not going to have a marriage. Go have fun. Words don't lead to connection, connection leads to words. Go hang out, go laugh. The thing that brought you together can keep you together. Go on vacation. This doesn't have to be expensive. Some of you haven't had a vacation in a long time. You just need a break. Do you know how Americans, a ton of Americans, don't even take all of their vacation dates. Even for a lot of them, it's just two weeks. They leave those dates on the table. I don't believe in that at all. I don't even, you know, kids have so many excused absences. I think if you, end of the year, if you've left two or three on the table, that's your own fault. <laughs> take, them up, take them up, it's unexcused. Great, I don't have an excuse, we're gonna go have fun. <clears throat> All the teachers in here went, wait a minute. And my wife does not agree with me on that, by the way. Have one family dinner at least once a week. The studies on this are tremendous about what it provides, what it does, what it helps kids. They feel more connected. It's connected to less drug abuse. It's uh, connected to less crime. Even people marrying, their marriage lasting. It's just something that happens there at dinner. I don't know what it is. One of the things we do at dinner is a thing called high-low. Go around the table, you do high-low. And there's some nights I don't want to do high-low because I don't like the lows at the table, right? It gets too tough. But if you'll do it, if you'll do it, all of a sudden they start talking. And again, it's all about tricking your kids, right? You you get them to talk, and we've just adopted a a nine-year-old little girl, and she loves high-low because she knows that everybody's going to be listening to her. She knows that she's important. She knows that her day matters and the rest of the day, it starts conversation there. Set work time boundaries. This is a huge one for those of us who are really busy at work. We got to have boundaries here. We got to look at Steve Jobs' life and go, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I don't want that. Nobody wants to get to the end of their life and go, oh, I should. nobody gets to the end of it and say, I wish I'd worked more. I wish I'd caught up on emails more. We got to set these boundaries. And again, you get everything that comes with that decision. Some of you, this is exactly where you are, you're maybe up for a promotion and that could be great. And the reason I think we like that typically it's more financially rewarding, right? Ooh, this is that when I get that promotion, man, it's gonna make college so much easier. We can have a nicer car, better vacations, better house. We're gonna have so much more things. It's just, it's gonna take stress off of us. My question is when you're considering a promotion or anything at your job, it's asking this, does more money equal less you? Does more money equal less you? Let that at least be part of the equation when you're making the decision, what do I want, want to do? And then some of you, let me get really bold, need to get a different job. Now, I don't recommend you quit it until you have a new one. Because <laughs> we all need to eat and live indoors, right? But some of you, this, it's been sucking the life out of you It's wearing you down, you don't see your family, you don't see your kids, and you keep saying, when this happens, then this is gonna happen. When we get to here, then I'll be able to. When we get through this season, then I'm gonna be able to spend time with you. If you'll just let me get through this, and it never happens. And we get to go, we're the boss of us, we get to choose, we get to make a better choice. We need to say yes to being. So what's that one thing? This be
0: all right there's pastor Ted giving us a different kind of TED talk and I'm failing it um, that that list is about to be my new screensaver uh, you know because I'm a dad I'm a family guy uh, are there any things because I know you're a father as well right. are there any things that you could add to that list that that would you know kind of help myself and, and some of the folks at home
2: well Confession first, I need to add some of those things to my list. Okay. Yeah, It's a, it's a really good list. The, it the, really the is. Dinner one night a week. Yeah. Man, that's just not something that's in my rhythm right now. Yeah. And so it's something I want, but just, just it's so easy to get busy. Mm. Even as a pastor, right? Yeah. We, we, we get busy easily. I'd say, I would say one thing I would uh, say that is good for a family dynamic is to laugh together. Mm-hmm. To, to find things that, that you've enjoyed doing together that make you laugh. And, um, and listening to your kids. I mean, I, I know that's part of the conversation with the high-low that he does at the, at the table. We, we do that. Um, not every time we have a meal, but we do it often. And it is, uh, it's good for every kid to know that they're about to be listened to. Um, and I think it's very easy for us as parents to, to jump in and, and show our kids the right answer and say, this is what you need to do in this situation. Yeah. Instead of just stopping and listening to them and letting them, letting them process what it is that they're going through. I think that's very important as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, a lot of the times, you know, my kids may feel like I'm, you know, hovering or, mm, or yeah. I'm, you know, I'm being an eagle. And, but it's just because I'm constant and it's always, are you okay? Is everything all right? You know, and sometimes you got to be a pushy parent. Sure. Yeah. You got to get in agree? their business.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think kids thrive when their parents are engaged with them mm. and, and know that there are issues they're going through. They, like my kid, I, I shared this with you on the break, my, one of my kids was saying, yeah there was this movie and you didn't let us, let us watch it until we were like 13 or 14 years old and uh, she was having fun with it, but at the same time you could tell in her voice that she was excited, or not excited baby, but comforted in the yeah. fact that dad loves me enough that he made some hard decisions and he made some choices that I didn't agree with at the time, but uh, it makes me know dad loves me.
0: Absolutely, that's, that's the truth. And look, here's the cliche. They might hate you for it now, but they'll love you for it in the long run. That's the truth. This is Ambo TV, and we'll be right back.
1: It's the Bible that's on your phone, it's the Bible in your shelf that's collecting dust right now. You've been waiting for a sign. God has given it to you, and he wants you to dig in it. He wants you to know it because he wants you to know who he is, and he wants who he is to affect the way you live, and it will change the way you make decisions.
0: There's Pastor Drew capping off the show for us, and as we like to do at the end of every show, I like to ask our guest to give myself and the folks at home a Bible scripture that kind of ties into what Pastor Drew was just talking about. So do you have something for us?
2: Absolutely. All right. At the end of the book of Ephesians, Paul writes to the church to put on the armor of God. And he mentions the word of God, which is what the pastor just mentioned here as well. The next verse he says, in verse 18, he says, Praying in the Spirit at all times, on all occasions. So what I would want to encourage all of us to do is to remember that the Bible is here for us to know God and the Holy Spirit is here for us to know God in such a deep way. And he uses the Word of God with the Spirit of God to allow us to do that. So that's the way, that's the power that we have in order to know God.
0: A. Amazing. Pastor Daniel, thank you so much for being
2: here. It really was a pleasure. I hope you come
0: back again sometime. I hope so. That would be great. It's a deal, man. And thank you to our partnering churches, Northridge Church with Pastor Drew Karshner, Crossover Church with Pastor Tommy, a.k.a. Urban D, and Mountain Lake Church with Pastor Ted Lowe. Thank you guys for those great messages. Please keep them coming to see the complete sermons and other great sermons. Head over to AmboTV.com. We always have great content there for you guys, and you can sign up for our daily newsletter. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts. So awesome. Subscribe today. Thank you for watching. Good night, and I'll see you guys next week.